Amen. All right, we're there in Galatians chapter number one. And of course, last Wednesday night, we began a brand new Bible study in the book of Galatians. We're going verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the book of Galatians. And if you remember last week, we made it through the first 12 verses of chapter number one. And we saw that the Apostle Paul there spoke on really the reason why he was writing the book of Galatians and the defense of the gospel, the fact that there was another gospel that was creeping in and being taught in the church. And then in verse number 13, um, and really earlier, maybe verse 10, but we, we'll, we'll pick it up here in verse 13, the Apostle Paul uh, begins to speak about his personal testimony. And, of course, Paul does this uh, occasionally in some of his epistles, and he does it here in Galatians chapter number 1, and we will cover the scriptures from verses 13 to 24 tonight. We'll finish the chapter, but when we come back uh, to Galatians on Wednesday night, and we're in chapter 2, we will continue with Paul. His testimony actually continues in through chapter 2, but I want you to notice in verse 13 how he begins. He says, for ye have heard of my conversation. And the word conversation in your King James Bible uh, is an older word that means lifestyle or manner of life. And so Paul is speaking to the church in Galatia, and he's saying, you have heard of my conversation. Notice what he says, in time past. He says, you know about my past, and you know about my lifestyle. And like I said, he begins to speak on the subject of his life and his testimony, and he's bringing these things up to the Galatians for, for a specific reason, and of course, we'll tie it all in as we go through the passage and, and go through Galatians, but what I want to highlight for you tonight is that when you look at this testimony of the Apostle Paul, and whenever you find yourself, or I sh- I, maybe I should just say whenever I find myself in a passage like this, I always get uh, a little excited because of the fact, and you've heard me say this many times, that the Apostle Paul is one of the most successful Christians who has ever lived. Um, He was, in whatever area you want to put him in, just as a Christian, um, he's probably, obviously, other than the Lord Jesus Christ, the greatest man who ever walked this earth, other than Christ, of course. And as far as being an evangelist or a missionary, a soul winner, a pastor, uh, as far as somebody being successful in his calling and his career, uh, there really is no one uh, than Jesus who is better, uh, more successful, more accomplished than the Apostle Paul. And the reason that I get excited when I get to a passage where he begins to give us his testimony, and of course we know that this is under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, this is Scripture, but the reason that I like it is because we get to get a little bit of an insight into the life of the Apostle Paul and the characteristics of the Apostle Paul. And really the nuts and bolts of what made the, the Apostle Paul. And tonight I've, I've titled this study, this sermon, uh, Secrets to Paul's Success. Because of the fact that Paul was a highly successful Christian. And in this testimony, though it is not his goal to tell us his secrets for success. If you look at his testimony, you'll notice that there is a recipe for success. There are some ingredients for success here. And I would encourage you uh, to notice these with me. And if you'd like, maybe you can write these down on the back of your course of the week. There's a place for you to take down some notes. I'd like to give you uh, five thoughts tonight regarding Paul's secrets to success. And I would say to you that these uh, secrets to Paul's success, no matter where you are and no matter what season of life you're in or what life you're living, these will be helpful to you. Of course, Paul is a missionary. He's a preacher He is a minister of the Word of God. So if you're here tonight and you believe that there's a calling on your life to one day go into ministry, then you definitely need to write these things down and and make sure that you are aware of these things because this is really a pattern for those of us that are are in ministry, uh, how to live our lives. But if you're here tonight and you say, well, I'm not a pastor, I'm not an evangelist, I'm not going to be in ministry, I'm I'm a mother, or I, I, I work a secular job, I run a business... Uh, these things will apply in any area of your life. And if you can apply these things in whatever area you find yourself in, you will find that God will help you succeed in that area. Uh, Whether it's uh, working a secular job, pastoring a church, homeschooling children, whatever it might be, 
you'll find that these ingredients can be applied in all of those areas. So I'd like to highlight for you tonight five thoughts regarding some secrets that we see from the Apostle Paul. And the first one is this, and if you want to write it down, uh, I'd encourage you to do this, to do that. When we're talking about Paul's secrets to success, the first one is, of course, a productive life. Or you could write down productive living. In verses 13 and 14, we see a little bit about the work ethic of the Apostle Paul. Now, this is not the reason that he brings this up is not to highlight that, but it's highlighted in the passage. What we see is the Apostle Paul speaking to us about his old confidence in the flesh. Notice there in verse 13, For ye have heard of my conversation in time past, notice what he says, in the Jews' religion. This was his old religion, his prior religion, in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. And Paul begins, when he begins his testimony, he begins with his past, and he begins with this idea uh, of his old confidence in the flesh. Now, our text is Galatians chapter 1 tonight. We're going to go through it. But I'd like you to go with me, if you would, to the book of Philippians, just very quickly. You're there in Galatians. Keep your finger there, or a ribbon, or bookmark, or something there. And flip over with me to the book of Philippians. You're in Galatians. You'll go past Ephesians into Philippians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Philippians chapter number 3. I want you to understand the context. If you remember, we talked about it last week. The themes of the book of Galatians has to do with the defense of the gospel. And it has to do with the fact that there are these Judaizers who are coming in to the churches of Galatia, and they are trying to turn people against the Apostle Paul, which is why we see the Apostle Paul defending his uh, apostleship. They're also trying to pervert the gospel or bring in another gospel, which Paul told us earlier is not another. He says it's, the, it's a gospel that is a false gospel. And they are bringing, what they are doing is they are trying to bring in Judaism into Christianity. They're trying to tell these people that, yes, you have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved, but you also have to keep the works of the law. You have to also have to keep the laws of Moses. You also have to keep the old to, uh, covenant. And this is what Paul is dealing with. And he begins by telling the Galatians here that they are aware. He says, you remember, for ye have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. And what the Apostle Paul is reminding these people, because remember, they're coming in and saying, Paul hasn't given you all the information. Paul is only preaching you a shallow gospel. Paul is making it easy believism. Paul is saying it's just faith and that's it. But you also have to do the works. You have to do the law. And what they're doing is something that people often do when they try to attack leadership. They'll minimize the leader and they're saying, Paul doesn't know. I know that Paul's your spiritual leader. I know that Paul's the one that got you saved and got you discipled and taught you everything you know. I know that Paul's the one who literally came to this town and started these churches here in Galatia. I know that Paul, like Paul said in 2 Corinthians, he, he says uh, that, that you don't have many fathers, that Paul is really your father in the faith, and you are his children in the faith. And, and, and Paul is the leader that God has given them. But they're coming and saying, Paul just, he doesn't know, he hasn't learned enough, he hasn't studied enough, he doesn't know about the law. And then, so Paul is bringing this idea up to remind these people, and what Paul really is saying is, don't talk to me about the law. I was all about the law. I, I already know all about the law. You're there in Philippians 3. Look at verse 3. Notice what he says. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 3. For we are, this is Paul, again doing the same thing with the church at Philippi. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Paul says, look, we are the circumcision we worship God in the Spirit, and we rejoice in Christ Jesus. He says, we have no confidence in the flesh, and this is what salvation is. Salvation, for those of us that are actually saved and truly saved, is this uh, understanding that there's no confidence in ourselves. There's no confidence in the flesh. Salvation has nothing to do with anything that I have accomplished in my flesh. Amen. Paul says, look, we rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. But then he says this in verse 4. 
though I might also have confidence in the flesh. Because there's telling, because remember, these people are attacking Paul and saying, he doesn't know. Let me tell you something that the pastor doesn't know. Let me tell you something that the, the leader hasn't thought about yet. And, and Paul says, I might also have confidence in the flesh. He said, if I wanted to boast and brag about the flesh, he said, I choose to rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh, though I might also have confidence in the flesh. If any other man thinketh that he hath whereof, he might trust in the flesh. Look at it, verse 4, Philippians 3, 4. If any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, Paul says, I more. He says, you want to talk about the flesh? You want to talk about zeal and keeping the law? You want to compare notes? He says, all right, let's compare notes. Verse 5. And Paul begins to kind of give a little bit of his resume. He says, circumcised in the eighth day of the stock of Israel. Paul's talking about himself. He says, you want to know who I am? I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel. What is he talking about? He's talking about his ancestry. He says, of the tribe of Benjamin. What is he talking about? He's talking about his nobility. And Hebrew of the Hebrews. What is he talking about? He's talking about his pedigree. As touching the law of Pharisee. What is he talking about? He's talking about his piety. He says concerning zeal, persecuting the church. He's talking about his intensity, touching righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. He's talking about his morality. He says, look. You want to talk about the law? Don't, don't talk to me about the law. And don't come at me like I've never heard about the law. He says, I know all about the law. He said, I got saved out of the law. Right. And Paul, you can kind of see his heart as a leader. And, 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 and honestly, in leadership, I, sometimes the Apostle Paul really encourages me because I see, man, if a guy like Paul can get attacked like this, then, then the rest of us need to just shut up when we are getting attacked as well. Because this is a common way to attack leadership. Go back to Galatians. And we've seen it here. You know, my wife and I have been here. We started this church 12 years ago. And it seems like every few years ago, or few years or so, people, people show up with, these, with this new, you know, it's like the Apostle Paul. Oh, let me tell you something Paul's not talking about. So look, just, just know this, all right? In two or three years from now, when some guy shows up, and he's like, oh, let me talk to you about the flat earth. Okay, we've already dealt with the flat earth. We, 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 we've already heard that garbage. Every few years or so, someone shows up saying, we don't, you don't need to call upon the name of the Lord. Every few years or so, somebody shows up saying, you don't need to do this. You don't need to do that. And Paul says, look, we've, that's so last year. We've already dealt with this. And Paul says, if you want to talk about the law, don't, don't talk to me about the law. And don't come at me like I don't know anything about the law. He says, I got saved out of the law. I knew everything about the law. Amen. He says, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching righteousness, which is of the law, blameless. He said, I lived a blameless life. He said, I was of the tribe of Benjamin and Hebrew of the Hebrews. He said, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel. He says, it's touching the law of Pharisee. He talks about his old confidence in the flesh. And let me just say this, if, if you go back to Galatians, that the Apostle Paul is bringing this up simply to state that this is nothing new. This whole thing about adding the law, this, this, is, this is something that's been around. And he says, look, you know about my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. And oftentimes when Paul brings up his past, he brings it up with tears. Because of the fact that he persecuted the church of God and wasted it. Because of the fact that he was used before salvation to imprison believers. Paul is the reason why the first martyr in the Bible, Stephen, the first Christian martyr in the Bible, uh, uh, dies because of the apostle Paul. So this is something that Paul not only had in his past, but it was a major regret in his past. The fact that he persecuted the church of God and wasted it. And, I, and all I would say is say this. If the Apostle Paul can find forgiveness, and if the Apostle Paul can find that God will allow him to, to, to move on from his past, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before, then I promise you that God can help you do the same. Amen. 
Whatever past you have and whatever regrets you have and whatever guilt you have and whatever is, is beating you up from the past, if Paul can get past the, the past, so can you. So we see Paul's old zeal for the law. But then we also see Paul's old zeal for work. Notice there verse 14. He says, and profited in the Jews' religion. See that word profited? The word profited or profit, it, it means if we were talking about money, and he's not talking about money, but if we were talking about money, he'd be saying, I made a lot of money. What Paul is saying was, if the ministry was a business, I'd be Amazon. If, if, if the ministry was a, 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 a fast food chain, I'd be Ray Kroc running McDonald's. I mean, Paul says, I profited in the Jews' religion. Now, he's talking about his old religion. He said, I profited in the Jews' religion. Notice what he says, above many my equals in mine own nation. Notice what he says, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. Here's what Paul said. When I was a Jew in Judaism in a false religion, he said, let me tell you something. I was the best of the false religion. I profited in the Jews' religion, above many my equals, being more exceeding zealous of the traditions of my father. He said, I wasn't just in it. He said, I was running it. <laughs> he said, I wasn't just in it. I, I was the best at it. Now, here's what's interesting, and this is something that I'd like to highlight for you. Keep your place there in Galatians and go with me to the book of 2 Corinthians. If you go backwards, just back one book from Galatians, the, the book right before it is 2 Corinthians chapter 11. In Galatians chapter 1 and verse 14, we have Paul. And we have Paul talking about himself in his old religion, his false religion, Judaism, work salvation, denying the Christ, the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, in my old religion, I profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in my own nation, being more exceeding zealous of the traditions of my father. He said, in my old religion, I was the most zealous, I was the hardest worker, I was the most successful, I was the most profitable. What's interesting is that then Paul gets saved, and in 2 Corinthians 11, Paul, again, defending his apostleship, defending his, defending his ministry, notice what he says. It sounds a lot like what we just read in Philippians, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 22. Are they Hebrew? So am I. Are they Israelites? This is Paul answering his critics. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they of the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they the ministers of Christ? He says, I speak as a fool. Now, the reason that he says, I speak as a fool, because he realizes that what he's about to say is a little foolish. Now, he says it because it needs to be said, and the Holy Spirit wanted him to say it. But he wants you to know, and he wants me to know, that bragging is not something that we should generally be doing. But right now, he's in the midst of a fight. They're attacking him. And in order for him to defend himself, he has to state some realities about his life. And it might sound like he's bragging. So he says... I'm about to speak as a fool. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. He says, I am more. Here's what he's saying. He says, if they're a pastor, I'm more of a pastor. If they're an evangelist, I'm more of an evangelist. I mean, think about somebody saying that. You got two preachers fighting each other, and, he, and he's saying, if he's a preacher, I am more. He says, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. And like I said on Sunday, just understand something. And you may not like it because our society has conditioned us to think that everybody should pass. Everyone should get a diploma, even if they can't read it. Everyone should get a trophy, even if they lost every game. But please understand something. Not all of us are created equal. Some pastors are better than others. Some churches are better than others. And if you think that's me being arrogant, let me just say it this way. Some church members are better than other church members. It's just the reality of life. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. Notice what he says. In labors, more abundant. He says, I worked harder than all these other guys. That's what Paul said. 
You say, I don't think he should say that. Well, the Holy Spirit's having him say it. I am more in labors more. And then he goes on. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but he goes on to give this whole list of how he's done more and accomplished more and strikes above measures and prisons more frequent and death off. And he goes on and on about how he's done more. Let me give you another example. Go to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. You're there in 2 Corinthians. Go past to 1 Corinthians 15. Look at verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. 1 Corinthians 15, 10. Notice what he says. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Amen. That's a good statement for all of us to say. Amen. But by the grace of God, Paul says, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. That's quite a statement. He said, when God saved me, that was not a wasted salvation. Amen. The grace that God spent, this is Paul saying, the grace that God spent to save me was not wasted, was not empty, was not in vain. Say, why would you say that, Paul? Here's why. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. He says, I labored more abundantly than they all. He says, I am more, and labor is more abundant. And here's what I want you to understand. Paul is saying... Paul is saying that he worked harder than any other preacher. He worked harder than any other evangelist. He worked harder than any other uh, missionary. He worked harder than any other soul winner. He worked harder than any other apostle at his time. He said, I am more. I've worked more. I've done more. I've preached more. I've accomplished more. That's what Paul said. Here's what's interesting. That's the same Paul. You might not have liked him. The unsaved Paul in the Jews' religion says, I was the best Pharisee. I was the most zealous. I was, I was the most sold out for false religion. I persecuted the church of God. I, the Bible says that he wreaked havoc upon the church in Jerusalem. He said, I persecuted, I traveled, I imprisoned people. He, what I'm trying to say and what I want you to understand is this, that Paul was just the type of guy that whatever he was doing, he just got 100% into it. In fact, I think one of the reasons that God allowed the Lord Jesus Christ to appear to Paul after the ascension in his glorified body and stop him on the Damascus road is because God looked down from heaven and saw this hardworking young man, Saul, who was working so hard for the wrong team. He said, I got to get that guy on my team. I need someone like that. I need him working for us. And Jesus stops him on Damascus Road and says, what are you doing, Saul? Let me make you an offer. You say, what can we learn from this? A couple things. Number one, you know what this shows me is this, that salvation changes your destination. It does not change your character. So what do you mean? Here's what I mean. If you're a hard-working, successful individual before you got saved, you'll be a hard-working, successful individual after you get saved. And you say, I like that. Okay, but here's the part you might not like. If you were a lazy bum before you got saved, come on. Because people get this idea like, oh, well, I, I got saved, so now everything's going to be great. I'm going to get up early every day. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to be very, you know, I'm going to save money. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Please understand something. If you were good with money before you got saved, you'll probably be good with money after you got saved. If you were a lazy bum before you got saved, you'll still be a lazy bum after you got saved. Now, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I just want you to understand the reality of life, that salvation changes your destination, where you're going. It does not change who you are. Now, there are some changes the Holy Spirit moves in, but you can quench the Holy Spirit. The fire of the Holy Spirit begins to burn, but you can quench it. You can grieve him. Now, here's what I want you to understand. Salvation will not change your character. Salvation will not change who you are. If you had low character before you got saved, you will continue to have low character after you got saved. If you were deceptive before you got saved, you will continue to be deceptive after you got saved. If you were a coward before you got saved, you will continue to be a coward after you got saved. If you were lazy before, you'll be lazy after. If you were great before, you were a hard worker before, you were honest before, you'll probably continue to be those things. The difference is this. Now for Paul... We didn't have to change much. Paul was already a hard-working, zealous, sold-out, hell-bent-for-leather 
charged hell with a square gun. I mean, he just Paul was already the guy that God needed. He just needs to turn him around. Stop, stop working for the wrong team. Come work for my team. Stop working for the devil. Come work for Christ. Praise the Lord for that. You say, I'm no Paul. Well, here's the good news for you. Salvation will not change your character, but sanctification can. Discipleship can. When you begin to read the Bible and learn the Bible and apply the Bible and begin to know the Bible and walk in the Spirit and pray in the Spirit, when you begin to walk in the Spirit, the Bible says that if we walk in the Spirit, we shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. The Apostle Paul, as we move on in the book of Galatians, is going to tell us that the Holy Spirit can change you. The Holy Spirit can change your character. The Holy Spirit can take you from being a weasel and a dirtbag, and you can begin to have love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Now, you need to understand this because some of you are thinking to yourselves, man, my husband got saved and he's still pretty terrible. Yeah, because salvation doesn't change your character. Sorry. I don't know what else to tell you. Character has to be changed by work. The word character comes from the Greek idea of, of chiseling sculpting an image onto a rock that requires work now once you have the image on that rock you're likely to not change it the problem is that some of you have been living bad character for a really long time now we can help you and the word of god can help you and the holy spirit can help you and i promise you you show up to church like this three times a week and let the word of God sanctify you and you actually listen and you apply these things and do these things, it will change your life. Amen. But we have to begin with the understanding that salvation only changes your destination. Salvation does not change your character, but sanctification can. Now here's another application. All the good skills you had, all the good things you had going for you, you can use those for God now. Amen. I mean, Paul's a hard worker. Got up early, stayed up late, didn't mess around at work. He was effective. He was disciplined. And God said, I can use that guy. That guy, and he got saved, and he went from Saul to Paul. He went from Saul, the greatest of the enemies, to Paul, the greatest of the preachers. So what is Paul's secret to success? It's productive living is living a productive life, living an effective life, living a life that is effective with some zeal, with some intensity. We're trying to get something done. We're trying to accomplish something. Let me ask you something. What are you zealous about? You say, Pastor, you don't understand. I'm just a mother, and I've got these children. I'm trying to homeschool them. Then you get some zeal for homeschooling those kids. You get some zeal for whatever job you have, whatever work you have, whatever it is you're doing. You say, why was Paul successful? And here's what I want you to say. People think, oh, Paul was successful because he got saved in the Holy Spirit. But Paul would have been successful whatever he did. He was succeeding in the Jews' religion. He was succeeding in Christianity. If they would have let him run a McDonald's in the first century, he wouldn't have had churches all over the Mediterranean coast. He would have had McDonald's all over the Mediterranean coast. You understand what I'm saying? It was his character of work that helped him to succeed. I'm just telling you, Paul's secret to success, productive living. And that's not something that you're going to get just because you got saved. I hope you get saved. That's what you have to begin. But please understand that salvation only changes your destination. It does not change who you are. Sanctification does that. By the way, that's why it's so silly to tell people, if you get saved, you're going to have works. No, you're not. Salvation doesn't change you. It changes where you're going, but you're still who you are. And we've got to learn as Christians to build our lives on the Bible, to learn the Bible, apply the Bible, live the Bible, and allow the Bible to do a work in our hearts. So number one, we see... Paul's secret to success, we see it there in verses 13 and 14. It's productive living. Then I want you to notice, secondly, i gotta all, I got to be done soon in like 15 minutes, so we, let's move quickly. Verse 15, Paul's secret to success, productive living, if, you, if you're writing these down. Number two, Paul's secret to success, pleasing God. 
Notice verse 15. But when it pleased God, you see that? When it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. I won't have you turn there, but it reminds me of the verse in Jeremiah where Jeremiah says that he was called from his mother's womb. Do you know that God has a purpose and a plan and he's had a purpose for, and a plan for your life from your mother's womb? God has a purpose and God has a plan for you. And he has a plan for you. And Paul says, says, when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb. He said, from my mother's womb, it was God's plan that I would get saved. It was God's plan, Paul says, that I would go into the ministry and called me by his grace. He said, here's what Paul said. My life pleased God. I'd like you to run some verses. Let's look at them quickly. Colossians, if you would. Colossians 1. You're in Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Colossians chapter 1, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Colossians 1, 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire, I want you to see it, Colossians 1, 9, and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spirit and understanding. Paul says, since the day we heard it, we do not cease to pray for you. He said, here's our desire for you, that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Why? Why do you want that, Paul? Verse 10, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Amen. You know that when you walk worthy of the Lord, your life will be pleasing to all? He said that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Look at 1 Thessalonians 4. You're there in Colossians. Just flip over 1 Thessalonians 4. Look at verse 1. 1 Thessalonians 4, 4 1. Furthermore, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1. Furthermore, when we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that all ye have received of us. Notice what he says. That as ye have received of us, how ye ought to walk, Look at it and please God. How you ought to walk and please God so we would abound more and more. If you want to succeed in life, I'm talking to Christians. I, I can't put this outline into a book and sell it in the secular world because it doesn't apply to the secular world. It applies to you. Because you got to remember that when we got saved... We, we got a heavenly father, and now we play the game of life by a different set of rules. And you may not like it, and you may not understand this when you see it out in the secular world, but if you're going to succeed in life, I don't care what area you're considering, you cannot succeed in the Christian life without pleasing God. You must walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing how ye ought to walk and to please God. Now, here, here's, here's what most of us want to do. We want to walk in such a way that we please ourselves. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. You're there in 1 Thessalonians, past 2 Thessalonians, past 1 Timothy, into 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. 2 Timothy 2, 4. No man that warreth. This is referring to a soldier who's going to war. No man that wore it, he says, if you're going to war, and by the way, when you got saved, whether you realize it or not, you got enlisted in the army of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are engaged in spiritual warfare. And Paul says, no man that warreth entangled himself with the affairs of this life. Here's what he's saying. If you're going to go to war, you can't be entangled in the affairs of life. I mean, do you, we understand that on a practical level. If a soldier is going to go overseas to fight a war, he can't be fighting war while worried about What's going on in, in, in the, the Super Bowl? Do you understand that? No, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. Notice that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. You say, what was Paul's secret to success? Paul's secret to success was the realization that he had to live a life that would please God. By the way, I'm not preaching on this, but please understand this. That is also the secret to fulfillment. 
When you can live your life in such a way where you know that you are pleasing the Lord. None of us are perfect. We are all sinners. None of us, none of us have attained as we've been learning on Sunday mornings. But when you can lay your head on the pillow at night and say, I'm right with the Lord. I'm right with God. I'm right with others. And I'm pleasing my heavenly Father. And you are fulfilling God's will for your life. You don't have to turn there. I'll just read this for you. Revelation 4.11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. You know that you and I were created by God to bring pleasure to Him. And here's all I'm saying. You want to succeed? You and I need to learn to get up every day and say, I want to live a life that is pleasing to God. And when we, when we frame every decision we make by that frame, when we look at every choice we make through that lens, I'm talking about everything. You have a decision to make. What am I going to wear? You should ask yourself, is what I'm wearing pleasing to God? Is what I'm watching pleasing to the Lord? Is what I'm listening to pleasing to the Lord? Is where I'm going pleasing to the Lord? Is who I'm with pleasing the Lord? Is my life pleasing to God? Because Paul said, I live for the pleasure of the Lord. He said, I serve for his pleasure. We see the secret to his success was not only productive living, but it was pleasing God. Number three, go back to Galatians, if you would. Galatians chapter one, look at verse 16. We saw productive living. We saw pleasing God. Here's number three, Paul's secret to success, preaching Christ. Preaching Christ, Galatians 1.16. Notice what he says. Two, he says, this is why God saved me, to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen. Not only was this God's will for Paul's life, let me just go ahead and let you know, this is God's will for every single person's life. God did not save you so that you can sit there till you die and then go to heaven. God saved you so that you can learn and grow. Why? So I can have a better life? He wants you to have a better life. But you know the main reason that God wants you to have a better life is so that you can be equipped to go reach others with the gospel. To reveal his son in me. I might preach him among the heathens. And this was something that captivated Paul. This was something that he became uh, uh, obsessive about. This objective of reaching his area and reaching the world with the gospel. You don't have to turn here, but in Acts 20 and verse 31, the Bible says, Paul says, therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years, he said, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. Paul was a man who was consumed by this objective. Paul understood that to preach the gospel was his goal. And his goal was to preach the gospel to as many people as possible, as quickly as possible, as effectively as possible, as simply as possible. And what to God, there'd be Christians tonight that would say, I want to make that my goal. I want to give my life to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, to fulfill the great commission, to reach people and teach people. Paul's secret to success, he understood, was preaching Christ. That there's really nothing else to do. Nothing else of value. I want you to notice, fourthly, tonight, go back to Galatians chapter 1. You say, Pastor, it's already 8.09, and you've been hitting these one verse at a time. We're about to hit a chunk right here, all right? We're going to take care of a big chunk for those of you that are worried. I said, number one, Paul's secret to success was productive living. Number two, pleasing God. Number three, preaching Christ. Number four, a private walk. I want you to notice verse 16. He says, to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen. Paul's talking about when he got saved. He said, he revealed his son in me. Notice that Paul understood that he did not get saved to sit. He said, he revealed his son in me. He saved me that I might preach him among the heathen. And then he says this, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. The word confer means to have a discussion with or to seek opinion with. The term flesh and blood means human beings. Here's what Paul says. When I got saved, immediately I conferred not. He said, let me tell you what I didn't do. I didn't go and ask my friends and family what they thought about it. He said, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. 
He said, neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me. Now, please understand something. Paul was something of, we could call a celebrity. Do you understand that? Every Christian knew who Paul was. Not only did all the Christians know who Paul was, all the enemies of Christianity and the Jews of the day knew who Paul was. Paul was the hero to the enemies, and he was the villain to the Christians. He was known, people knew who he was. He was somewhat, we might call him a little bit of a celebrity. Now, don't, now here's the interesting thing. When Paul got saved, he did the opposite of what so-called celebrity conversions do today. Because when Paul got saved, he says, I immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood, neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me. You say, what'd you do, Paul? He says, but I went into Arabia. You know what Arabia is? It's a desert. <laughs> I went to Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. I want you to understand that the first thing that Paul does, according to Galatians, is he went off alone. He got alone with God. What do we do with celebrity conversions? They get saved, and then we, you know, have them do a rap concert at Joel Osteen's church, right? I mean, as soon as any, any celebrity, and Christians are always, you know, they're always so um, just, like, hungry for any celebrity to get saved. It doesn't matter what celebrity it is. It could have been from, like, the 80s. He's, like, not even famous anymore, but it's just like, look, you know. Don't, don't be, you know, be impressed with Christ. And you say, well, what do you think about celebrity conversions? You know what I think? I think they should go into the desert of Arabia and get discipled and read the Bible and pray. Paul, went, he said, neither went I to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Then after three years, notice, after three years, I went to Jerusalem to see Peter. He spent three years out in a desert. Arabia and Damascus, but he spent three years not in the limelight. He didn't go just go straight into ministry. He spent three years learning, growing, being discipled. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. But other of the apostles saw I none, save James the Lord's brother. Now, uh, now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God I lie not. Afterwards I came into the regions of Syria and Cilicia and was Notice verse 22, and was unknown by faith unto the churches of Judea which were in Christ. I want you to notice that Paul understood something, that if he was going to succeed in the Christian life, he had to learn to get alone with God. The first thing he does, he doesn't go to see the big shots in Jerusalem, but he goes to Arabia, to a desert. The opposite of what you and I would want to do. We live in the society where nobody wants to get alone. Nobody wants to be alone with their thoughts. Everyone has to always be listening to something and watching something and something in their ears and something. I mean, people can't just think. It's like they're afraid to be alone with their own brain. At any given moment, you, I mean, if you watch people and it's like, if they're just standing, it's like they got to pull out the phone and start. Why don't you just think for a second? <laughs> and here... Paul says, he goes to Arabia, and here, here's all I'm telling you, here's all I want you to understand. In the Bible, there seems to be this indication in this tradition that whenever God was going to use somebody mightily, they got alone with God. Think of Moses. Spent 40 years in Egypt. But when he left Egypt, the Bible tells us he spent another 40 years on the backside of a desert, alone with God before God used him mightily to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. Think about John the Baptist. He spent his life out in the deserts of Judea before God mightily used him as the great John the Baptist. Think about our own Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Right before he launched his ministry, what does he do? He spends 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness by himself. I'm just here to tell you that if our public lives are going to be effective, they must be an outgrowth of our private lives. Did you hear what I said? 
See, we, we live in this social media society that wants to talk. You, you, we want to put everything out there. Look how great I am. Look how great I am. Look at all these things. I always think it's funny because people always want to tell me, and people, it seems to me, and I, I don't call them out. I just make a mental note. <laughs> but people always want to tell me all these impressive things they're going to do. And I always think to myself, that's not fair. You know, that's not fair. Because you're sitting here in front of this crowd telling all these people that you're going to do all these amazing things. And you're getting all the, wow, amazing, you're wonderful. And that lasts for like three days. Here's all I'm saying is, whatever amazing thing you're going to do, how about you do it for three years and then talk to me about it? How about you go off in the desert somewhere, and you go off by yourself somewhere, and you get alone with God somewhere, and you get the spirit of God somewhere, and then, and then you don't have to tell me how great you are. I'll see it. I'm just here to tell you that our private walk must feed our public walk. And look, and, and, and in your Christian life, you need, you need to develop a personal time with God. You need to go off into the wilderness of Arabia every day with your King James Bible and get alone with God and get alone with the Holy Spirit and read the Bible and study the Bible and memorize the Bible and pray and walk with God. And then that private life, that private life, it'll manifest in its public life. Somebody said this to me recently, and, I, and they meant it as, an, as a compliment. I took it as a compliment, and I appreciate it. But they, they, they were asking me about certain things and about our church, and, and they, they said, I can tell you study the Bible. <laughs> I can tell by the preaching. Said, I've been to some other church, and I think to myself, where did the pastor get this sermon from? You know, but here, here's the thing. Isn't that true? Amen. I mean, you, I've, I've listened to guys preach before, and I think to myself, good night. Downloaded this from some website. And, and, and that's easy to understand that as a pastor, but let me tell you something. Some mothers are better mothers. Some fathers are better fathers. Some husbands are better husbands. Some wives are better wives. Some pastors are better pastors, and some church members are better church members because they know the Bible, because they get along with God. Because they, stu- they, they study the word of God. They're not perfect, but they learn the Bible. They apply the Bible. They live out the Bible. And it's evident in their life. You want to know Paul's secret to success? Before he got on stage and before he got in the limelight, he got off stage and got along with God. And then number five. I said, number one, productive living. Number two, pleasing God. Number three, preaching Christ. Number four, private walk. Number five, a powerful testimony. Notice what he says in verses 23 and 24. But they that heard only. He said, I don't have to go tell them. They heard. Look, look you don't have to tell people. You don't have to tell people how great you are. If you're that great, we'll, we'll see it. But they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preacheth the faith which once he destroyed. They, they, Paul just kept working hard, kept getting up every day and wanting to please God, preached Christ, had a private walk, and that turned into a powerful testimony. And they heard that he which persecuted us in times past now preaches faith which once he destroyed. And here was their response, verse 24, and they glorified God. He said, and they glorified God. Don't, don't miss this. I think the most powerful words in this whole chapter are the last two words. In the last verse of the chapter, he says, and they glorified God in me. I just, I wonder what would happen. I wonder what would happen in Sacramento, California. I wonder what would happen in your job. I wonder what would happen with your family. 
I wonder what would happen in this church if there was a group of people who decided and said, I'm going to get up every day and spend time with God and get along with God and get some private time with God and read the Bible and pray and try to learn the Bible and try to live the Bible and I'm going to try to live a life that is pleasing to God. I'm going to preach Christ when it's possible and I'm going to live for God. I'm going to be productive. I'm going to work hard. I think there would be people who would watch your lives, who would watch our lives, and they would glorify God in us. That's amazing. See, Paul's secret to success. You say, what was Paul's secret to success? God. He loved God. He served God. He walked with God. He lived for God. He did it all for God. And God blessed him along the way. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you for the Apostle Paul. So convicting. So convicting. To see his life, to read about his life. So convicting to think there's so much more we could do. Lord, I pray you'd help us to be people who would get alone with you, go off into some desert in Arabia by ourselves with our Bible and say, I want to hear from God. I want to learn God's word. I want to live it. I want to live a life that's pleasing to God. I want to preach Christ and be productive. And Lord, I just believe that People will see our lives and say, wow, and they'd glorify God in it. Lord, I pray you'd help us to be those types of people. Help us to realize that you are no respecter of persons. The success that Paul had was success that we can all have. And Lord, I pray you'd help us with that. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen. We're going to have Brother Moses come up and lead us in a final song. I think we're preparing for baptism tonight, so we'll sing.